Hey guys, welcome to my podcast. I pray you are empowered to walk in the fullness of your God design. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And remember, enforcing purpose, it starts with you. So today we're going to be talking about what does the glory do. So for those of you who missed last night, I'm sorry. Let me give you a brief synopsis. We talked a little bit last night about the difference between the glory and the anointing. We talked about the anointing and how fun it is, and it's the glittery part. It's a necessary part. We talked about without the anointing, we become a powerless people. If all we have is the knowledge of God, and I talked about a little bit about my story. I had the knowledge of God. I knew the word. I knew who to, what words to use. I knew what scripture to use. But until I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power, and began to flow in the anointing, I was powerless. I had a lot of knowledge, and all that knowledge puffs up, but the anointing releases love, and love does what? Love does what? Builds up. Or, yes, love builds up. And so I want to today talk a little bit more about what does the glory do. So what does the glory do for us? Now let me say this. Um, I could probably preach so much and teach so much on the glory. And so this message has been so difficult for me to try and nail down what are the most important points that I want to make. So I think Pastor Phil, Pastor Gary could probably come up here and they could preach on what does the glory do and they would say completely different things that I do but they would be just as true. So at the end of this it is on you to really begin to ask God what does your glory do for me? And make it personal. Recognize, again, when we're talking about the glory, we're talking about the character of God. Last night we talked about that Greek word character, meaning it is the impression. It is the mark of God in your life. When Jesus came in the exact representation, that word there is character in the Greek, which means he was the blueprint that God had pressed his person into the person of Jesus. And now you and I have the pressing of the character of God into us through the blood of Jesus Christ, and we are to be the reflection, the exact representation of God here on earth. This is why the glory is so important. We learned that last night that the glory is the parent that births the anointing, and that some of us have learned how to mimic the anointing. We've learned what it looks like to walk in grace, but our heart ain't in it. And so we're trying to back up, I believe Frank gave a word this morning, said he heard the word retrieve. And I think that's a great word because what we're trying to do here is we're wanting to back up and we're wanting to retrieve the simplicity of the gospel. I just want to retrieve the simplicity of God's heart. I just want to retrieve the simplicity of his love. I love in Hosea it says that I will allure her out into the desert in order that I would speak tenderly to her so that I can restore unto her the days of her youth. And he's talking about bringing her back to retrieve the simplicity and the love that we had when it was fresh. And often we get it complicated and we try and get wrapped up in trying to learn our giftings and roll, roll in the healing and all, and all of those things are important. But we got to stay focused on the character of God. We just got to keep it simple. Because if you're focused on the glory of God, you can't stop the anointing. And we talked about that last night. We talked about the shadow of Paul 
And it was just the countenance. Patty, I had a conversation with somebody about you this morning. I said, she's one of those people, you just stand near her. She doesn't have to speak. She doesn't have to pray. She doesn't have to lift a hand. There's something about her countenance. And you want to know what it is? It's character. It's character. It's not about the words that come out of her mouth. It's not about what she's doing. It's not about her job. It's not about her career. It's about her heart. Because she spends time alone with God. When I was first coming into the wave of the Holy Spirit, the manifestational gifts, receiving the baptism of the Spirit, I was slightly freaked out by it. Some people in this room can attest to that. But I'm going to tell you, there were three people in my life that spoke to me and poured into me in regard to the manifestational gifts in the Spirit. Patty Pace, Gloria Gillespie, and Gary Birkins. And none of them, none of them impressed me because of the way they could flow in the gifts. What impressed me is I was coming out of a church where I heard people say all the right things, but their heart was in the wrong place. I heard people being catty, gossiping. I had experienced wounds, and it wasn't real to me. And these people, I sat with them in clothes, behind closed doors. We talked yesterday about taking your clothes off, and what do you see when you stand naked before the Lord? Are you fluffy, or do you have muscle? Is there definition in your character? These people had definition. It wasn't the way that Gary ministered that impressed me. It was the love. It was the character. It was the heart. It wasn't the way that Patty could read my mail. It was her love. It was her character. And the same for Pastor Gloria. And that's what I'm after. And if you're saturating yourself in the glory you will not be able to stop the anointing from flowing. You will be in Walmart and suddenly your body will start shaking. It will just come because you're saturated in the character of God. So what does the glory do for us? I'm going to try and just give you some quick points here. One, it cancels the presence of self. It cancels the presence of self. I want you to think with me for a moment about Adam and Eve when they were in the garden and they were naked, walking with God. In the fullness of his character, his person, there was not a sin to worry about. I'm not sure what they prayed about, but I'm sure it wasn't supplicating because they had everything they needed. So their time with God simply looked like adoration of his character and his attributes. They were saturated in the glory. But when, when Adam and Eve fell, the first thing that happened is they became aware that they were what? Naked. They became aware of their flesh. And so we learn from that when we get into the glory that we become unaware of what's going on in our flesh. I've prayed over several people over the years, um, and, but one of the most impressing things that I remember is praying over a guy who was paralyzed and praying, of course, healing over him. And he said, look, you look at me and you see me in the flesh and you see that I can't move, but you have no idea how my spirit dances. And I was convicted by that because all I saw was his flesh. But he said, I have learned that if I can saturate myself in the glory and in the person and the character of God, you have no idea how I can dance. Because the glory canceled the presence of his flesh. It canceled the presence of self. We remember in Moses, it says that we, when he had spent time with the Lord, he came down from the mountain after being face to face with God. And the Bible says that his face shone, but he was not aware of it. Why? Because he was in the glory. And so he was unaware of what was happening in his flesh. Some of us need to get, get over our flesh. Some of us need to stop letting our flesh dictate our lives. Some of us need to get into the glory and recognize, I can't get rid of this myself, but I know one who can. 
Come on, some of us are working too hard to cancel the pain in our knee, cancel the pain in our shoulder, cancel the pain in our heart. Come on. Instead of just getting in the glory and letting the Lord cancel it. So he cancels the presence of your flesh and he cancels the presence of your soul. The glory trumps the flesh, trumps the soul. When you have an encounter with the person of God, whatever is tormenting you has to leave. I'm going to say that again. Remember in Mark chapter 5, the man who was tormented with a legion of demons, so much so, every time they even tried to what? Manage the demon? Come on, because church teaches us how to manage demons. Religion teaches us how to manage demons. The world teaches us how to manage our personality. That's not character. And But when Jesus showed up on the scene, what couldn't be canceled by the world was canceled by his presence. The demons had to go. They had to stop. And some of us have demons that we struggle with in our head. I get it. I've got them too. Surprise. I've got them too. And when I find myself playing checkers with a demon, come on, having a conversation with a demon, at some point I have to be like, this is going to stop. I'm almost going to take it to the Lord. I mean, isn't that what Hezekiah did when he took the words of Sennacherib? Come on, in 2 Chronicles, he takes the word of Sennacherib, and he says, I'm going to take all these words, I'm going to write them down, and I'm going to go to the throne room, and I'm just going to lay them at the Lord's feet and let God cancel the word of the enemy. Because some of us are battling a fight we will never win. And you're battling a fight that's already been won, moreover. And we need to just step into the glory and say, Daddy, you've got to take care of this. You've got to take care of this. I was prophesied over me uh, several years ago, David Garner, prophesied over me, and at the time I was like, I don't really get it, but I'm getting it more and more, you know, sometimes you have to get caught up to your word, and uh, he prophesied that he saw me, and I was like a fireball, he said, and it's like you're wrapped up in this fireball, and it's the ball of glory, and he said, and you, you move around in this glory, and he goes, and then occasionally you're compelled by the glory, and your arm comes out, and you minister healing. Or your foot comes out and you go and you minister over here. Or this hand comes out. Do you remember this, Mama Shirley, when you gave this word? And he said, and then as soon as you get done ministering to somebody, you tuck yourself back at the glory. And the enemy sees a movement over here and he looks. But when he looks, he can't find you. And just today when I was worshiping, the Lord was like, that's the glory. Not in my notes, but I would like to add to you, what does the glory do? It hides you from the enemy. It hides you from the enemy. If you feel like you're being chased down by the enemy, don't play checkers with him. Tuck yourself in the glory and let the glory hide you from the enemy. Because that's what the glory does. It does for us what we cannot do. What we cannot do. His presence, the presence of God, is what will yank your soul, will yank your flesh into an alignment with his truth. This is what we do in inner healing. When we come in and we have a situation and somebody is broken from a particular spot in their life, a point of trauma, we go in, we reenact that moment, and then we inject the person of Jesus in there. And we say, but what does Jesus say? What does he do? How does he change your bitterness in that moment? How does he change your fear in that moment? How does he change the reality that you were alone in that moment? Come on, because I want to trump my reality with some truth. How does he change that? And the minute they begin to saturate themselves and begin to focus on, God is with me in this moment, and I see that he loves me, and he's saying you'll never leave me, and he's saying you'll never forsake me, and he's saying his heart is also broken 
for what is happening to me in this moment. And they begin to shift their focus from what is happening, what the enemy is doing in that moment, right? Because we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We wrestle with principalities and powers of darkness. They shift from what the enemy has done and how they've been marked by the enemy to what God is doing and make a decision in that moment, I want to be marked by his love. That's character. See, we grow in the glory as we are marked over and over and over again, and we get marked through circumstances. When I sin, I experience the grace of God, and I get marked by his grace. Come on. That's how we get marked by God. His glory, his character, his marking cancels the presence of self. Number two, it reveals our identity or your God potential. You understand, in your identity is your God potential. It is your God possibilities. And I guarantee you it's bigger than I can even begin to imagine. I guarantee you it's bigger than you can even begin to imagine. But it reveals your God identity. The Bible says that we are all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Now, we use a mirror. When I go to a mirror, it's because I want to see what I look like. Moreover, I go to a mirror because I typically want to make sure I look my best. Come on. And typically, I go to a mirror and I do something to adjust my appearance so that I will look better. And God is saying that his word is like that. That if we come to it and we allow it to be a mirror to reflect the fullness of our potential and we have the expectation that I'm coming to the word, I'm coming into the glory with the expectation that when I leave, I'm going to look better. My, I am going to look more like Jesus from glory unto glory. I say this all the time, but I love it. When I wake up in the morning, I tell God, today, this morning, today, I look more like you than I did last night when I went to bed. But here's the cool thing, God. Tonight when I go to bed, I'm going to look more like you than I do right now. And tomorrow when I wake up, I'm going to look more like you. Why? Because I'm being transformed from glory unto glory. But it's in his presence that we discover our real identity and our potential. See, the anointing empowers you to do. It's important. But the glory empowers you to be. And what you do should flow out of who you are. Otherwise, we're living a personality, which, by the way, in the Greek means mask. We're living a masked life. In, in Psalm 23, it says, The Lord leads me beside still waters. In the Old Testament, often waters re uh, referred to the place of reflection because they didn't have mirrors, and so they used water as a place of reflection. So when it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, he leads me beside still waters. What he's saying there is, he reminds me of who I am. He makes me lie down and grieve. Come on, sometimes we just need the anointing. We need the glory to just make us lie down and be still for a moment and remember who we are because we get so spun out in our experiences. We get so spun out in our own mind. We get so spun out in our own heart. We get spun out with all the voices in our head, and sometimes we just need to allow the hush of the kingdom to help us reflect beside still waters. Who you really are, who you really are, the glory of the Lord causes us to return to our genesis, return to our original source. His presence restores the integrity of our original design. 
the original design. We are created in the image of God. That is the blueprint. The character of God was pressed into us. We were marked by the person of God at creation. And when we step into the glory, there's an automatic suddenly that happens. Come on. There's an automatic suddenly that happens that suddenly everything makes perfect sense from a spiritual perspective. Because it clears away the clouds, it clears away the clutter, and it clarifies some things. And as we reflect, we begin to see what God sees. Not what our world tells us, not what your relationships tell you, not what your paycheck tells you, come on. But we begin to see our value the way God sees us. Three, it quickens your purpose. Now, we talked about your identity. I believe that's the infilling. I talked a little bit about that last night, that the fruit of the Spirit in, five, in Galatians 5.22 is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's the nature, the character of God that is in you. If you remember, I'm going to give you another teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you remember in John chapter 20, Jesus came to the disciples and he breathed in them the Holy Spirit. And then he said, but don't leave. Tarry ye in the city until you are endued with the power upon high. What is he talking about? He's talking about the infilling and the uponing, right? The infilling is for us. It's so that we can walk in the character of God and in our fullness potential. But the overflowing, the outflowing is for others. It's for the ministry that God has in mind for us. And every single one of us are in ministry. Jesus walked in the nature of God. He walked in the likeness of God. But at, on his 30th birthday, I guess, when he was 30, he was baptized and the Spirit came upon him. And at that point, he began his ministry. He began to flow with the outpouring of the gifts. So when we're talking about a quickening of your purpose, the more you come into an enforcing you understanding, that's what enforcing you is all about. That's why that book had to come. Look, at I wanted to write, write enforcing purpose first. And the Lord said, you will not write that book first. Because people can enforce purpose in their personality. People can enforce purpose with their soul. I, so, I know some narcissists that are very successful. Frustrating, isn't it? But it's true. But he said, you've got to teach people how to enforce their identity, and then their purpose will flow. Why? Because I said last night, your purpose isn't really a destiny. It's about who you're becoming. And so it quickens your purpose. I'm reminded in Exodus chapter 3, when Moses said to, Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent, sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? So he's having this glory experience with the burning fire, the bush. Remember it says he did not turn aside. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. You want me to say what? <laughs> I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am sent me to you. I am what? Notice he didn't say, I'm coming to you with miracles, signs, and wonders. The God of healing. The God. He said, tell them who I am. Don't tell them about my ways. Don't tell them about my works. I'll go ahead and flow all that out through you, Moses. Come on. Because the signs and the miracles and wonders didn't come from God. They came from God through Moses. Once Moses understood, he just is. This is who he is. We talked about this last night. The character of God. Who he is. You've got to know who he is. In Elijah 19, when God comes to Elijah, he tells him to come out of the cave. Come out of the mouth of the cave. Mind you, Elijah didn't feel anything. 
Remember it said that there was a, an earthquake and then there was a wind and there was a fire, but God wasn't in those ways. God came and he spoke to him in a whisper. In a whisper in one of his darkest moments because the enemy changed the message. Come on, that's a message for a whole nother day. Victory, one word spoken by the enemy, completely shifted Elijah's trajectory. That's how the enemy will work. He will cut you off in your path and he will change the trajectory that you are, are destined for. But God shows up to him, and he begins to speak to him. Elijah says something like, I'm the only prophet, la, 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 la. All these things, there's that lack of compassion, Pastor Jerry. He said, can I tell him what you said? He said, last night when you were talking about lack of compassion, sometimes he was like, I bore witness with that. <laughs> so, but we, in here he says, you know, the, uh, he, he's in this slump, and God takes him out of his slump, and he doesn't, he doesn't lay hands on him, he doesn't, uh, minister healing to him. He doesn't, he just begins to speak. You have purpose. So he says, Elijah, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. That's nice. Get up. There's a priest, a prophet, and a king that I have for you to, to anoint. And what he does in that moment is he reminds Elijah that you have purpose, that I'm not done with you yet. Some of us in here need to know we, we have purpose. I love, I love the counseling and the life coaching piece because sometimes we have anchors in our past that are keeping us from sailing, and some of us just need some momentum and start sailing, right? Some of us just need the wind of the Holy Spirit, and we need to set sail. And as you're sailing, sometimes we discover anchors, but one of the greatest ways to overcome trials and tribulation is through momentum. That's Leadership 101. Create momentum in your company. Keep it moving. See, because if a, pen, if a train is not moving and I put a penny on the track, it cannot start. But if a train is moving, it can go through a brick wall. So there's power and momentum, and the glory will stir something up and will fan the flame of God within you. And you will get excited. You'll begin to feel yourself beginning to shake and beginning to tremble because the energy of the kingdom is quickening your purpose. Even as you're laying on the floor or you're in your room all by yourself, y'all don't wait to, to wait to come here to experience all that. Get it in your bedroom. Get it in your closet. Get it in your living room. Get it in your car. Get it in Walmart. I don't care where you get it, but just don't expect me to give it to you. Get it for yourself. And there's nothing like the glory to quicken your purpose. I love the encouraging words of friends. When they pray over you and they encourage you, but ain't nobody encouraged me like the Lord. One of the greatest strengths I've ever experienced is the failure of man. Because it's taught me the rejection of man we talked about last night. Some of the weakest places, they turn into fields of flower. And what I once struggled with was rejection. I never got the love that I wanted, the, the attention that I wanted. And it has turned into my greatest strength because at this point I'm like, that's great but I don't want that. I want the reward of the Lord. The Bible says that if you earnestly and diligently seek him, he is a rewarder, and he will reward you. And so people come up to me afterwards, and, and I'm like, that's great. I love, I love hearing how God worked or what have you, but at the end of every message, I want to feel the reward of the kingdom. I want to know that God says it was good. It was well. You said everything I asked you to say, and you didn't say what I didn't ask you to say there's some things I want to say. And Lord's like, mm. Conversely, there are some, some things I don't want to say. And the Lord's like, you're going to say this. And so it quickens your purpose, and it shook him out of his slump. Number four, now I'm going to need help. Help! 
I'm going to do a demonstration for you. But number four, I want you to know that it is the glory of the Lord that increases your capacity. Now, we're talking this weekend about containing his character. So I want you to realize that the glory of the Lord, your character becomes your capacity. It's your container, okay? So we talked a little bit about how, um, sorry, I keep sniffing in in the mic. You're welcome for that. Just keeping it real. So the glory of the Lord, your character, would you hold the mic for me? Yes. Hello. Everybody say hello to Kyler. Hi, Kyler. Okay, so for some of us, our character looks like this. Okay, we're still growing in character. We're working some things out in our lives. And if that's you, be honest. That's okay. And here's what happens is you go to church, or this is you, and you're filled with the nature and the character of God. Then you go to an event like this, and you experience the anointing. And you get splashed, and it feels good. Ooh, I shook. I felt the fire up and down my spine. But when you leave, you still only contain in this amount. And this whole message is about inspiring you, teaching you how to move from this to this. How to stretch outside of your comfort zone. Angela said today, this, this message is a little uncomfortable. I'm like, yeah, it is. Because if we want to stretch our capacity, it's going to require a little uncomfortability. It's going to require me to apologize to that person who wronged me. Even though they were wrong and the way I responded wasn't gracious, so I need to apologize to them. But my, my soul is like, ew. But God says... If you want to grow in your character, you're going to have to stretch. You're going to have to stretch and stretch and stretch so that we're not experiencing the splash and the anointing, and then we go home and it goes away, but it becomes a part of who you are. Thank you. It becomes this huge, you become a greater capacity. You carry a great, this bottle of water is killing me today. You become carrying a greater capacity of the glory. And it doesn't become necessarily the way you operate, but it becomes more about who you are. That's what I'm talking about with Patty, with Gary. When you just are around them, with Shirley, we're like, we can't even hardly stand around you sometimes. Sometimes Shirley and I get to each other, and it's like a magnetic. It's like, doing, and we bounce off of each other. And we can tell when we've been saturating in the glory of the Lord. We can feel it on each other. And we're talking about increasing capacity. This is what allows us to carry the anointing. Everybody is chasing down the anointing. And I'm giving you the, the key. I'm teaching you tonight how to flow in greater healing, how to grow, flow in greater prophecy, how to flow in signs and miracles and wonders, how to minister healing, how to grow, flow in greater faith. I'm telling you, grow your character, and it will happen. Just retrieve the original gospel. Go back to the character of God. Just keep it simple. All right, remember when the widow woman in 2 Kings 4, when did she run out of a will? When she ran out of capacity. When she ran out of containers. Like she, she was given the ability to define how much oil would flow from her. But she limited herself by, by choosing a number of containers. And a lot of us, God has given it to you to decide. See, some people are like, man, I wish I had the anointing she had. Please. Grow your capacity. Grow your capacity. 
surpass my capacity, surpass Gary's capacity, Patty, Phil, surpass them. All these people that you look up to and you think, oh, they're just so anointed and everything. And that's great. I understand that. I honor the anointing. It's necessary. But it should flow from the glory. We should be chasing down the glory of the Lord, increasing our character, increasing our capacity. Listen, our character is maximized by the purification of his glory. Jacob Jacob, poor Jacob, spent 20 years in the land of Laban. You know, for those of you who don't, I know who reads the word and who doesn't. People who laugh, got it. People who didn't, read your word. In Genesis, there's a man named Jacob. He's given a promise of the promised land. He's like, woohoo, I got the promise, but his brother's chasing him down. His mom says, you have to flee. He's going to kill you. He flees into what we call the land of Laban, who was a man. He falls in love with a woman. He says, I want to marry this woman. And, and as in the Laban, who becomes his father-in-law, says, you work for me for six years, and I will give you six years, seven years, seven years, seven years, it was six years was the last, he, seven years, you work for me for seven years, and I'll give you this woman. But instead of getting Rachel, which was the desired woman, he gets Leah. He says, you deceived me. Oh, really, Jacob, who means deceiver, by the way, who deceived his brother and stole his birthright, or Esau gave it away, depends on how you preach it. <laughs> So he works there and for seven years, okay? Now, mind you, when he crossed the river, the Bible says he goes across, he comes to the river Jordan, and he was just one man with a staff in his hand. That was it. I'm going to tell you why I know this word so good, because you delivered it to me about six years ago. He was just one man with a staff in his hand, and he crossed the river Jordan. But there was a necessary work that God needed to do in Jacob because his character wasn't big enough for the promise. I'm going to say that again. You didn't say it quite that direct. But I was, I, was getting, I, was, I was picking up what you were laying down. For 20 years, he worked. So he worked seven years for Rachel, but he gets Leah. Then he says, well, I'll work another seven years for the wife that I really want, and he gets Rachel. Then he works another six years for him and basically says, you know, it's the stripe to all the flocks, all that stuff. Not the point. The point is, is for 20 years, he has to work things out with a not-so-hot guy as his boss. There's a lot of character building in that. There's a lot of character building. But here's the fun part of the story. The Bible says when he came back, when it was time for him to return, when his character was big enough for the promise, when it was time for him to return, he came to the same Jordan River, came to the same spot, and he said, when I crossed the river this way, I was just a man with a staff in my hand, but now I have become two people. So he had become this nation. He had grown. He had grown in character. He had grown in power. He had grown in anointing, and he was ready. See, God knew he wasn't ready. He wasn't ready, and so he had to increase. He had to make him ready for the bigness of the anointing. He had to make him big, ready for the bigness of the promise by making him ready. Do you care if I share your word? Yes, you. So I asked uh, Joel, I said, what... Do you, can you share the word, Gary? Basically, he just told me that he said you, had, you need to be pliable, that where I'm taking you, you really need to be pliable, that right now, if God showed you the bigness of where he was taking you, it would break you. That's character. What he's saying is, is there are some things in your soul and in your character that need to be moved and shifted and become into the oil. See, the oil of the anointing is what makes things flexible. It's what makes things move and operate in the smoothness of the kingdom, and some of us need that in our life. I talked a little bit about this one last night, and this is my final point. What does the glory do for you? It marks the man. It marks the man. Look, some of us are looking to the world to be marked. 
We want to be marked by God, not by the world. God looks at the inside, not the outside. When he looked at David, he did not look at the outward appearance, but rather he looked on the heart, his character. And because of his character, he was marked. I mentioned last, for those of you who were last night, I said, what even his own father, the authority of the house, did not see, God saw, pulled out and gave an anointing because his heart was marked by character. Some of us have been marked by other things. We've been marked by our past. We've been marked by our addiction. We've been marked by our trauma. We've been marked by our divorce. We've been marked by you name it. We've been marked by the titles of the world. I'm a single mom. I'm the founder of Crazy 8 Ministries. Do you know how hard it is to not be marked by that name? That's not who I am. I'm a child of God. And I'm marked with the character of Christ. This is what I do, but that's not who I am. I'm a child of God. And we need to learn how to be marked by God, marked by his character. It is what marks you. Character is not about visibility. It is not about popularity. It's not about really good gifts. It's not about the impression that you leave, or the impression that the world leaves on you. It's about the impression that you leave on the world. It's not about how many likes you get on Facebook. It's not about how many subscriptions you get on YouTube. It's not about standing on a platform. It's about being developed in obscurity. It's about being developed in the field. It's about being developed in the private. It's about being developed in your closet. It's been prophesied over me three times. The Lord shows me that you were faithful in the field, I tell people all the time. Like David, you were faithful in the field taking care of the sheep. And I was like, yeah, I was feeding kids and cleaning their poop. That's pretty much what I was doing. But you know what I was doing every afternoon? I was saturating myself in the glory of the Lord. And I would like to tell you it's because I loved it. It is because I loved it. But some days it was because I desperately needed it. Because I couldn't go on. I couldn't go on in my household alone, feeling rejected with my own, in my own skin if I didn't have that time. I set aside two hours every day. My kids would go to bed. I would let them know, this is mommy's time. If you come into my room, you're going to get a spanking. Like, this is important. You need mommy to have this time. And so from one to three, the children knew, don't knock on that door. Don't bother with mommy. Don't mess with mommy. And I remember the time in my life when God said, I want you to shift from just saturating in the word and I want you to get to know the spirit. This is probably about the time you came into my life. And I was like, what do you mean? And I felt like it was a waste of time and I'm going to tell you why. I would read scripture and I would study scripture and for those of you who are following my personal journeys of the Holy Spirit, I've been reading some of my journalings from over the years. I have probably 55 journals. My children always tell me they're going to get rich off my intellectual property someday. But I have journal upon journal of things that I have studied out in Scripture, things that I have written and gotten lots of information and gotten lots of knowledge. But at some point in my life, the Lord was like, what are you going to do with all this information? What are you going to do with all this knowledge? Because if you don't let me anoint it with my presence, anoint it with my spirit, it's just going to be knowledge. And that came that day when I started to realize that all my teaching, my wise, persuasive, anybody do the strength finders? I keep talking about personality, strength finders. I'm a woo, which is winning others over, which I am very aware of. So the point is, is you can win others over with your words. And God was like, that's, that's really cool, but that's not what the word says. The word says you shouldn't win people over with your wise and persuasive teaching, but rather with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And I felt deep conviction in that. And you know what? I felt like incomplete. I felt a loss in that. 
And so the Lord said, here's what I want you to do. So I said, Lord, tell me what to do. He said, well, I want you to spend 50-50, 50% of your time reading the word, 50% of the time just sitting in the spirit. And I was like, that sounds like a waste of time. I, I promise you, that's what, that was the conversation I had with the Lord. And he, here's what happened. Nothing. For like the first two or three weeks, I was like, I could have read three more chapters in Scripture, but instead I just laid here waiting on God. And nothing happened. And that's what I began to, that's why I said, somebody texted me, they're like, what if I go into the throne room and nothing happens? And I said, it's not about what happens, it's about who you're becoming. It's about who you're becoming. And there are times when I lay, when I get, I get ministered to, I fall out in the spirit, and I'm laying there, and I'm like, nothing's happening. I'm just laying here. I mean, I can't really get up, but nothing's really happening. Okay? Anybody else? I'm the only person? You're like, I'm not having a vision. I'm not having, like, any kind of, I mean, sometimes it happens, but sometimes I'm just laying there, and I'm like, well, I'm just going to lay here. And then you know what happens is two, three, four, five days later, I begin to realize that the anger I had in my heart is gone. Because when the weight, remember when the Shekinah weightiness of the Lord, that Shekinah weightiness, the glory of the Lord, he starts impressing things into your heart, that weight that is on you, and things are getting shifted. And my mind, why? Because it's canceling the presence of self. So my mind cannot comprehend it. So on faith, I'm just going to lay here and let you have your way with me. And next thing you know, two, three, four, five weeks later, I begin to see evidence not in the way I'm operating, but in who I'm becoming. When I first started speaking in tongues, I thought it was the most ridiculous thing in my entire life. I'm an intellectual, educated woman. This is gibberish. And so I threw a fleece out. I'm just being honest with you guys. I threw a fleece. It is weird. It's weird. I threw a fleece out, and I said, okay, here's what we're going to do, God. He's like, yeah, you, let, you tell me what you're going to do. You tell me what we're going to do, right? So I said, okay, I'm going to give this a whirl. I'm going to speak in tongues, because I felt like the Lord was like, every day, 50% scripture, 50 day, 50% laying in, laying in my presence. Let me have my way with you. That's when I received my prayer language. So I was like, this seems like gibberish. My mind cannot comprehend. My mind is fruitless. That's what the scripture says. And I was taught that that meant it was wrong. That's not what scripture says. I need my mind to be fruitless. Come on, some of us need our mind to be like, shh. See, Scripture says your mind will be fruitless. It is fruitless. And the church teaches us that that must mean it's bad. But some of us need to have just some hush in our mind. So I'm just laying there. So I said, here's what we're going to do, Lord. For two weeks, every day, I'm going to read my Scripture. Then I'm going to stop. I'm going to get on the floor. I bought a mat. I want to be comfortable. I didn't want my back to hurt. I got a little heater. I still use a space heater. You guys know I use a space heater. Okay, Carter came in the other night. He knocked on the door to say goodbye. He opened up the door, and I was laying on the floor with the heater, and he was like, oh, are you praying? And I was like, yeah, it's fine. Come on in. He's like, no, I need to go. I don't need to go under it, right? <laughs> he starts backing out. But he's like, are you cold? And I said, well, sometimes I get cold when I'm, and I don't want anything to bother me, so I put a space heater. I mean, I got it all set up. So I I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I'm just going to pray. And so the Lord, I said, I'm going to pray in tongues. I'm going to pray in tongues, pray in tongues, pray in tongues for an hour every day. Fifty per, one hour scripture, one hour just laying here being completely fruitless. And if at the end of two weeks, God, I don't feel, see, sense, know some kind of a difference, I'm never speaking in tongues again. I, I promise you I said this. Praise God for his grace and his mercy. I do not recommend this. I do recommend being honest with the Lord. And at the end of the two weeks... I could not dispute. Like somewhere deep inside me, I knew God loved me. 
like I had never, ever read. Like it's never been explained to me. Like there was something inside me that I just came into this knowledge of how deeply God loved me. And I thought from that, on, that point on, and you guys are a part of my story, and people were like, man, this is going to ruin your ministry. You're going down a bad path. And I thought, I, you cannot take from me what God has done for me. I can't explain it. I can't doctrinally tell you about it. I don't want to argue with you about it. All I can tell you is something changed inside of me. That's the glory of the Lord. It does for us what nobody else can do. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to click subscribe so you can catch each episode every month. I want you to walk in your fullness. For more information about other services and resources, head to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. You can also find me on YouTube by searching Lisa Schwartz LLC. I look forward to connecting with you. Remember, enforcing purpose, it starts with you.